We're in a series on the resistance, the church and its mission. Our desire is to go back to Jesus so that we can move forward and on with God. And so to do this, what we're doing is examining the passages of Scripture where Jesus talks about the church. We started in the wilderness with John on the island of Patmos. And what we found is, what we discovered is that we can be used greatly by God by embracing wilderness experiences. While John was worshiping on the Lord's Day, Jesus, his friend and Savior, he shows up in all his majesty. And he gives John seven important letters. If you have a red-letter Bible, a Bible where everything Jesus says is written in red, you will find that Revelation 2 and 3, the letters to the seven churches in modern-day Turkey, are all written in red. These letters come straight from Jesus with instructions for seven churches, and they have great application for our church today. We then boarded a boat on Patmos and traveled to the coastal city of Ephesus where we learned the church is called to love. The next stop was a harbor town 40 miles north, the city of Smyrna, the church called to suffer. And last week, we headed 70 miles north of Smyrna to the high-set city of Pergamum to find the church is called to truth. In this city, we talked about the value of becoming like Jesus by speaking truth in love. And today, we're going to turn our attention to the fourth letter, the letter to the church in Thyatira. So I'm going to be continuing in Revelation chapter 2, picking up from where we left off in Pergamum. The message given to the church in Thyatira is important for our church today. Reading from Revelation chapter 2. Verses 18 to 29. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will strike her children dead. I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works." And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden, only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, To him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. These are the very words of God. So from Pergamum, 
where we left off. We now head 45 miles east along an inland route to the city of Thyatira, a city midway on the Sardis-Pergamum Highway connecting with the major road running southwest to Smyrna. The seven churches were each founded in cities along very important trade routes that served as centers of commerce and education. The cities of the early church were impressive cities, but Thyatira was the least of them. The most important feature of Thyatira is it served as the gateway to Pergamum, the capital of Asia, the city we visited last week. Many inscriptions show Thyatira had more trade guilds than any other town of her size in Asia. Important in the commerce of wool, linen, apparel, dyed work, leather work, tanning, pottery, bronze work, and the slave trade. The book of Acts recounts the story of Paul and Silas meeting Lydia near Philippi, who was from Thyatira, a seller of purple goods. The church in Thyatira understood Christians should grow and develop. Jesus commends the church for their growth in love and faith. Love was manifested in service and faithfulness and perseverance. This was a church of deep devotion and strong character. But Jesus tells this church, I have this against you, you tolerate. This letter is a message against tolerance of sin within the church. Jesus condemned participating in social events, eating food sacrificed to idols, and participating in sexual immorality. Trade guilds hosted pagan religious practices as the criteria for membership, and these guilds dominated the economic life of the city. Christians faced social rejection and economic hardship by abstaining from things dedicated to pagan deities. In Thyatira, If the Christian merchant, trader, or craftsman was a member of a trade guild and participated in their ceremonies, the person protected their business interests and ensured material prosperity. If they refused membership in a guild and refused participation in the ceremonies, these Christian merchants would be committing commercial suicide and would likely face poverty and possibly bankruptcy. It appears an individual labeled as Jezebel influenced members within the church to participate in these events, saying grace would cover these practices. But Paul wrote the church in Rome. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Christians have been set free in order to live holy lives. A.W. Tozer, he, he so aptly shares, he says, the popular notion that the first obligation of the church is to spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth is false. Her first obligation is to be spiritually worthy to spread it. The church is called to holiness. Paul writes in Romans, He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Active holiness 
is an intentional effort to become more like Jesus. Becoming more like Christ is difficult because of a sinful nature. Paul addresses this. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. In other words, there is a war that rages within us. By following Jesus, we want to do right, but our sin nature wants to rule. The question is, will we work with the Spirit to overcome, to conquer our sin nature? In doing so, we become more like Jesus. This is what Paul refers to when he encourages the church in Corinth to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Pat Rusha a friend, a pastor in Michigan, he developed a series that deals with this issue. He kindly allowed me to summarize his thoughts in my book, and I'd like to dive in deeper in this message. We have a need for a renewed mind. We live by a set of established internal principles. They define our interpretation of life. They drive our choices and determine our behavior. Issues that a person faces while following Jesus often are the result of a mind not renewed. Experiencing renewal involves refusing to conform to the world and becoming transformed. Renewing the mind will not come through willpower, self-help, legalism, or any other method. The power and quality of your spiritual life will never exceed the level of your transformation in Christ. Let me say that again. The power and quality of your spiritual life will never exceed the level of your transformation in Christ. Transformation needs to occur in a person's spirit, soul, and body. Your soul being comprised of your mind, will, and emotions. When someone chooses Jesus and lives a surrendered life, their spirit is transformed and the potential for a renewed body and soul is granted through the work of the Holy Spirit. A person cannot add Jesus to their life. He must take over. A person cannot add Jesus to their life. He must take over. Paul writes, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The person is now born of God's seed. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. And this changes the way a person lives. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. We find this in 1 John 3, 9. When Pastor Pat, he 
discussed this with a genetics expert at the University of Minnesota. He had this conversation. The professor said that being born of God's seed, as described in Scripture, literally means becoming a brand new creation. That's when I, why, when I baptize people through water baptism, I declare over them, you are now a new creation in Christ, a child of God, a part of an entirely new race having all of God's nature. From the moment of conception, all that he is resides in us with its full potential. When we decide to follow Jesus and dedicate our lives to him, God imparts a divine blueprint. Isn't that incredible? God imparts a divine blueprint. All of the character and attributes of God, his knowledge, holiness, power, faithfulness, goodness, grace, mercy, compassion, hatred of sin, understanding, wisdom, and creativity become a part of our spiritual DNA. We do not become little gods, but have the power to become godly. All of the fruit of the Spirit... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are in seed form willing to germinate and mature. This is what Paul refers to in Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We simply need to say no to the sinful nature, and allow the character of Jesus to live through us. Sin chooses selfishness, but a divine DNA is love. In our old life, we may have suffered fear and anxiety, but in Jesus we can find contentment, confidence, and security. Christianity is an outliving of an indwelling Christ. We live that out in the world in which we live. Paul declares, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Choosing to follow Jesus may not immediately renew a person's mind, but it gives the potential and power to pursue a renewed mind. Choosing to follow Jesus may not immediately renew a person's mind, but it gives the potential and the power to pursue a renewed mind. The process of renewing one's mind, as laid out by Pastor Pat, is, involves five steps. I want to dive into those. The first is this. To renew your mind, you must realize you need Jesus, while talking with a crowd of 10,000 plus people, is discussing what it means to be in the kingdom of God. He declares to this massive crowd that the first requirement is for people to understand their desperate need of God. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. For God to renew your mind you must first realize you need his help. That you are spiritually 
bankrupt. There is nothing you can do on your own to renew your mind, but only that which God can do through the God seed he implants in you when you make a decision to follow Jesus. When you are struggling with a godless thought or emotion, realize you need God's help. When you become angry in traffic, recognize you need God's assistance. You cannot solve character issues on your own. You need divine intervention. To renew your mind, you must recognize that the emotion or thought is inconsistent with the character of Christ. Jesus is clear in stating that every healthy tree bears good fruit. In other words, every mature Christian exhibits a measure of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you exhibit a quality, either thought or emotion, not consistent with this list, you can recognize it is not a part of the character of Christ. When you speak harshly with another person, recognize that emotion is not consistent with the fruit of the Spirit. When you become fearful about your future, remind yourself that Jesus promises peace to those who keep their eyes fixed on him. Emotions or thoughts not consistent with the character of Christ must be recognized to be removed. To renew your mind, you must then choose to renounce or reject the unhealthy emotion or thought. With the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to reject unhealthy emotions and thoughts. You must make the conscious choice to get rid of ungodly actions. Paul tells the church in Colossae, a church not far from the church in Thyatira, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And he continues, Put to death what is earthly in you. Put them all away. Impurity, evil desires, anger, slander, obscene talk. Do not lie to one another. In other words, reject these unhealthy emotions and thoughts. When you're tempted to talk badly about another person, recognize this thought is not consistent with the character of Christ and reject it. When you have impure thoughts about another individual, renounce it. It is vitally important to reject unhealthy emotions and thoughts. To renew your mind, you must release and surrender the thought or emotion. Let it go. And by doing so, part of the old self dies. When a negative or unhealthy thought or emotion shows up, reject it. And ask the Holy Spirit to take it from you. When you become impatient with others at connection point, surrender that emotion to Jesus and ask him to ripen the fruit of patience in your life. By releasing the old self and meditating on God's truth, his seed germinates in your life. Still, you must choose to live in the Spirit. Paul instructs, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. 
holiness is not defined by what we cannot do, but simply by what we do not do because we are made new in Christ. By God's help, we live in community because the triune God lives in community. In Jesus' name, we love because God is love. We suffer because Jesus suffered. We walk in truth because God is truth. We are holy because God is holy. The issue is not that we can't look at pornography, cheat on finances, and misuse power and leadership. Rather, we do not do those things because of who we are in Christ. In Jesus, we have a divine blueprint with the ability to set our minds on things of the Spirit. With his God seed germinating and producing his character in us, we choose to realize our need of help, recognize inconsistent thoughts, renounce ungodly emotions, and release unhealthy habits in order to be renewed in his name. I encourage you, seek a renewed mind today.